You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. We're committed to sparking important conversations about money and inspiring you to always be in the financial front seat. Learn more at fidelity.com slash front seat. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, it's Jean Chatsky. Welcome to a special edition of Her Money Mailbag. Our mailbag overfloweth, and Kelly and I have decided that we are going to devote this whole week to answering your questions. We're going to drop a new episode every day, and we want to get to as many as possible. Right, Kel? Right. And we're going to try to do more bonus mailbags, period, just because we want to get to all of your questions. Cool. All right, let's go. Let's do it. Our first question is from Jessie, who says she's gained so much confidence and knowledge thanks to the show. We love hearing that. We do. She writes, my husband could potentially be laid off in 18 months. It's not a definite, and he's in a union, so he wants to take the risk of staying and letting it play out. In the meantime, I'm looking to get a better-paying job. My money has always served as the savings, vacation, Christmas fund, etc. My husband's income pays the bills. Over the next 18 months, I have increased the money we are saving, lowered the excess mortgage payment, and tried to communicate openly with my husband and daughter about being extra diligent to spend smart and save smart. We only have about 20000 in savings, 12% for him and 15% for me in our 401ks, and the only debt is our mortgage. Should we be seeking advice from a financial planner? I feel like we don't have enough wealth to invest in a financial planner, but I also feel like Jean would tell me that everyone could benefit from a financial planner. I don't know anyone who works with a financial planner, so I would be branching out on my own for this one. I think I said financial planner one too many times. <laughs> no, I, I definitely don't think so. As you know, I love the words financial yes, planner, yes. even though I'm not one myself. And Jesse, here's what I would say about that. 18 months is a really long time, and it's a really long runway to wrap your hands around this potential problem. But you also know that time always goes much faster than we think it will go. And so, yeah, I'd encourage you to sit down with a financial planner. You can find one who will work with you by the hour. I don't think you necessarily need to have somebody who's in your life to check in on a regular basis to manage your portfolio. It sounds like by the amount that you're kicking into your 401ks, you're doing really, really well at that already. But just sitting down with somebody who can help you sketch out a plan will be helpful. So I'd go to garrettplanningnetwork.com. This is a network of fee-only financial advisors who are willing to work by the hour. You just hire one of them and you sit down with them and you talk it through. And the other thing that you can do is go to your 401k provider. I don't know who manages that for you, but I do know that if you were a client of Fidelity's, for example, they have a huge network of planners that won't charge you anything for sitting down with you and helping you figure this out. And that's all you're looking for, a little bit of help to make sure that you're heading in the right direction. But everything that you laid out in your very well-written question tells me that you are. You are doing all the right things. And I'm wondering if the 
answer to the next question is the same. So next we have a question from Brad. He's from Ohio, and he's wondering if you have any recommendations on retirement specialists in the Ohio area and preferably knowledgeable about the public sector. So yeah, I would again say start with your own retirement plan provider. Companies that manage retirement plans for the public sector as well as the private sector have specialists on hand who can help you often with very little charge. And if that doesn't work for you, then you can go outside and you can search for somebody else to help you. Often the best place to start looking for a recommendation for a specialist is with a colleague. And I know sometimes we don't talk to our colleagues at least often enough about our financial lives, but if you can find a colleague who's working with somebody that they like, that specialist is not going to have to learn the ins and outs of your financial plan, your retirement plan, because they already know it Mm -hmm. from dealing with your colleague. And that means they don't have to come up to speed on your dime, which can be a less expensive way to go about it. Okay. Now one from Judith. Can you explain the benefit of using an HSA to accumulate money tax-free that could then be used to cover long-term care costs instead of purchasing long-term care insurance? Long-term care insurance companies have been having problems raising premiums, and some people aren't receiving the coverage they were expecting after making large payments over a long period of time. Wouldn't the money best be accumulated in an HSA as protection against those costs occurring as people age? The problem with relying on just an HSA for long-term care insurance or long-term care costs is that I'm not sure you'll be able to accumulate enough Mm. money. There are limits to the amount of money that you can put into an HSA each year. And although you can invest the money and it can grow, it's not as much, for example, as you can put into a 401k or um, a some annuity contracts. It's it's $3,450 for a single person, $6,900 for a family. And if you just look at Fidelity's estimate of how much a 65-year-old couple will need to pay for health care expenses in retirement, it's now up to $275,000, not including long-term care costs. Mm. Now, that's over the course of a lifetime, right, which roughly works out to about $6,000 a year per person, by the way. But it's a lot of money. And so I am all in favor of an HSA as a great savings vehicle. If you've got an HSA and you can fund one and you can invest the money and you can let it grow and you cannot pull it out to pay for healthcare expenses in the meantime, what you've got is a big fat fund of money at the end to help pay for healthcare costs, long-term care costs, whatever you need for the money for. You've got a supplemental retirement account and it can be used that way because once you get to the retirement age, you don't have to pay penalties when taking that money out. It comes out just like the money in a 401k. My worry is that it's not going to be enough. Julie and her husband are looking to buy a house this year. She's wondering when they should pull their credit reports to check for any errors. Now. Right now. Right now. Right now, now, Julie. (laughs) And that is because, Julie, although the credit bureaus are supposed to get on the horn and fix errors in our credit reports, and get back to us inside of 30 days, 
it doesn't always happen that way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, pull your credit reports, pull your credit scores, and start working on them now. If you decide that your credit score needs some improvement, giving yourself more time to do the right things, to check off all the boxes, is better. And and just as a reminder, those things that you need to do to make sure that your credit score is as good as possible are pay your bills on time every time. Even one or two late payments can step in and hurt you. Make sure that your utilization is in line, which means that you're using no more than 10 to 30% of the credit that you have available to yourself on one card individually or all your cards combined, that you're not out in the marketplace shopping for credit that you don't need, that you're not closing credit cards that you're not using, and last but not least, that you are making maintaining a mix of credit, particularly those sources that you've had for a very long time. Just a few things. Just a few things, but you know, they're easy, they're habitual. They are. So I'm going to take Julie's question and turn it into my own. I just checked my credit report yesterday, actually. Good for you. I know. And my credit score is pretty good. (laughs) I know. I'm not using it for anything right now, but I guess it's a good score. On one of my credit reports, it has... One of my past addresses listed twice, one without my apartment number and one with. Is that an issue? Nah, I wouldn't worry about that. Do I have to worry about that getting edited or removed? I wouldn't worry about it. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Julie. Because it's not exactly wrong. No, but I was wondering if maybe, like, you know, too much information could confuse things in any way. Nah. Nah, okay. Nah. All but right. but good for you for being so Thanks. diligent. I just yeah, I wanted to like brag a little bit. It's good. Yeah. It's good. you want to tell us what it is? <laughs> oh, my score? Yeah. Sure. It's like 792, I think. It's better than mine. <gasps> no way. Yeah, it is. <gasps> but I have I have got I have a mortgage. You have yes, and you have car, you bigger know. credit lines, more credit lines. Yeah. I was about to say I have a car loan, but I don't have a car loan. I I bought my car. Nice. So, there you go. There you go. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody. And uh, join us tomorrow for another episode of Her Money Mailbag. <laughs>